0: Well, good morning, everybody. I am so excited to be here. I am Buddy Ham. For those of you that don't know me, I am the campus pastor out in Midlothian. And right now, I'd like to shout out to Midlothian. Good morning, guys. After the year and a half of not being here, I'm missing you guys pretty much. But I am excited to be here because I get to share my story with everyone. Um, As I prepared for this sermon this morning, I I found out probably a couple months ago I was going to do this. And because of that, I started thinking about all the things that I wanted to kind of just just brag on my Midlothian campus. Um, there's a reason for that because Randy's not here and he can't stop me. <laughs> I get to brag as much as I want right now, right? Well, truth be told, I started writing down all the things I wanted to share with you. All the things that Midlothian had accomplished in the last year and a half because of the people out of Midlothian. The guys, you're sitting in the chairs and you did this work. So I started writing down the average attendance that we were having, and every so many weeks, i go back and write it again, because the number had grown. Praise God, the number was growing. So I finally realized what I had done. I put a cap on what God was doing out there, because I kept on writing down a number. And by doing that, I was saying, God, I'm not going to expect any more than what we have right now. And I also realized I had been doing that in my life for a very long time. I had approached life with a cap. I had decided before I got there what God would do. So I stopped writing down the number until this past week. And I went and reviewed and I took a look at where we were. Ladies and gentlemen, on 2013 of Easter Sunday morning, we opened our Midlothian campus to the community of Midlothian with 50 people from this location. 50 people that called the Heights their home, but lived out off the whole street area in the 23230 number. But on 2013 and since, are y'all ready for this? We now average almost 160 people every Sunday morning. <laughs> That's right, Melothian, y'all give yourselves a round of applause. That's exciting to me because then I started revealing the numbers and I realized that we've had over 100 people come and join us. That means on average, listen to this, think about this. Midlothian now, you guys out there, there's about 50 of you. That means two thirds of the people there this morning may have never stepped foot at the Columbia Heights campus. It's because of us being in Midlothian that we, we have now reached people out in that, out in that community. I'm excited that um, for that, guys. I'm excited that we've done that. We've had baptisms regularly. We've had a couple baptisms recently. I'm coming back in September to baptize some more. I have to do that to, um, early service because I got to get out there by 10 o'clock and have a service for ourselves. But we've had 100 people join, we've had baptisms, we're growing, we're averaging 160. That is because God is at hand and he's working through that, amen? So I also started really thinking about that cap. And so I, I wanna read you a verse. I wanna read you a verse. This morning, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope. And you're going to get this out of me this morning. The last word is always something that sits out in my mind as bold, a future. How many of us came here today without asking God for direction when he has the plan I would imagine none of us have ever gone anywhere without preparation and having at least an idea of where we're going, right? Nowadays, thank goodness for technology, we have the GPS, and guys, we don't have to stop for directions anymore. But we used to. We do not leave to go somewhere without having planned where we're going. But I would venture to say that most of us don't spend enough time talking to the maker, God, God about our future when he sits there and tells us he's got the plans for us is enormous well i sat in the congregation out there in midlothian guys with you in that theater watching mike osborne present last week and he did a great job i love listening to mike i have to say that because he's out there covering me right now but i love and enjoy listening to other pastors preach and he did a great job of showing who he was and how he became who he is, through pictures. I didn't want to show my pictures as a kid. So I was thinking, what else could I do? What can I do to draw you into something that gives you a glimpse of who I am and how Philippians 3.10 became my life verse? So I thought I'd ask if you would go on a little trip with me. Would you mind doing it? We're not going to leave anywhere. We're not even going to leave the city with this little trip that I'm going to take Take us on. I'm going to take us all the way back into the 1970s. And I say that all the way back because there's probably some young people going, I don't even know when that was. But most of us do. I'd like to invite you along with me and for just a few minutes to go with me into the 1970s, into a place that, well, frankly, I I didn't care to go to. It was called the library. I, I, I didn't. I, I, my mom was trying to instill in me the joy for, of reading, to find joy in reading, to, to, if I read more, she was confident that I would love to read. And I know that Sue Osborne's out of Midlothian right now, and you were an old school teacher, a reading teacher, and you hate to hear this, but it didn't work. To this day, I only read because I have to. Absolutely no other reason. If it's in dire- directions, I look at the pictures, honestly. I, I, I don't care to read but I went to the library with my mom. And you know, my mom had told me that I needed to go and get a library book. So I'm not suggesting this is the actual library book, but just bear with me. I went to the library and for some of you, I'm not gonna leave the the city and you know why? Because today I can come up and stand up with you and say that I have been coming to this church my entire life. Did you know that? This is my home church. It's amazing how God works in your lives, and if I had an opportunity, I'd probably make it a series of how Buddy came to know, and we'd have f- three or four weeks of spinning about all that God has done in my life. I get about 25 minutes. So you're going to have to bear with me. This is, trip is going to be a fast one. But the city of Klein Heights Library actually isn't even located where you think it is. I know most of y'all are thinking the high school, right? Over by the high school? No. This was at Violent Bank. 1970s, um, for some of you, maybe Robert E. Lee headquarters, the cucumber tree, that's where we went. My mom took me to the library and I have to go find a library book and I finally pick out one and I come over to the librarian and I drop that library book. I said, that's the one I'll take. Very quickly, she leans over and says, well, honey, the only thing you have to do to take this library book home is you fill out the card in the back, put your name on it. I keep the card, you get the book and I'll know who has it. One very small problem with that request. I didn't know how to sign my name. In fact, if you ask me, I probably can tell you, I didn't even know how to spell my name. For some of you going, isn't it buddy? Yeah, B-U-D-D-Y. But at that moment, I don't know that I could tell you how to spell my name. And I didn't know what to do. My mom intervenes, she comes over, they say something, they both look at me, then they laugh. I don't know what that was about. And then we take the book home. I got my library book. But let me tell you something. That moment at the library when I couldn't do what she asked was the first time I felt wholeheartedly that I had disappointed somebody. That right there meant that I had not lived up to expectation. I'd failed, so we're going to keep going, and I'm going to explain to you a little bit about my third grade year. See, for third grade, there's one key component to third graders. Outside of the times tables, I remember those too. It's like, really, do we actually have to know these things? You, you'll get this whole thing later, but we went to third grade. I'm in class, and there's one thing I'm after. That's just to know a couple of people. Just to have enough names and have them know who I was. That was the whole purpose of third grade, was to just to figure out that you got a team. You know, this morning I was sitting down in the front row, and I realized that off to my left was Mr. Rhodes. He's a, he was my old phys ed teacher. And he'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The reason you would go to school and learn all the names were, for one reason, everyone in this room would know this. The only reason you did that was so that you wouldn't be picked last out in the recess f- for the dodgeball game. You know you know what I'm talking about? You didn't want to be last for dodgeball. So as long as somebody knew your name, you had a good chance of not getting picked last. That was the only purpose in lifting my head up. See, I remember also that I would go through with my hands in the pockets, very unsecure, my head tilted down, kind of doing this. And my mom and dad would stop me and say, lift your head up, close your mouth, and act like you know what you're doing. <laughs> yes, I've got a lot of laughters going here. I promise you, it's not the last one. What they were trying to instill in me was the pr- fact that I should have my head up. There was nothing to be ashamed of. But let me remind you that some of my history is already being founded by that librarian. So at the end of the school year, it gets very interesting, my parents come to me and say, they've been called into a conference with my teachers. And when I I was rehearsing this the other day, I did this, conference. I'm not sure if the quotes give it more dramatic effect, a theatrical effect, but it does for me, conference. I, I didn't have anything to hide though. It was like, I'm a good kid. Go for the conference, oh, see? So they went. I remember them getting home. And coming home and sharing with we, me what the teachers had said. And I can really picture my mom, and I'm not going to look that direction she's in the room right now. <laughs> and she would lean over and she goes, um, Buddy, um, you see, um, we've met with the uh, teachers. And they had a, parents have a great way of trying to kind of smooth over the things that are coming. You see... Um, We met with the teachers and, Bob, are you gonna help me here or not? (laughs) Right? And and they find you to be a absolute joy to be in the classroom with. Well, of course, have you met me? (laughs) I mean, I am a joy to be in the classroom, right? But here's the next sentence that came out. It said, but you're not the sharpest pencil in the stack. Okay, I gotta pause there for a second and put a disclaimer out because my mom is going, that is not what I said. And it really wasn't, but that's how I perceived it. Uh, Let me remind you, the librarian, I don't know what was going on there, but I know how I perceived it. Now I'm in third grade and the teacher just told my parents that um, I'm gonna have to be held back. And the actual truth was I wasn't keeping up with the studies in the third grade. Okay, for me, having no joy to be in school affected me because all of a sudden I'm going, you mean the year that I just finished doesn't count? I've got to do this the whole thing over again? Explain to me this. So they said, well, they want to help you. No, they want to fix me. They, they want to guide you through the next year and help you transition into fourth grade. And if they want to do that, they could do that now. The truth was that they wanted me to be tested. They wanted to find out, why was I struggling so much to make it in third grade? So, I go to the State Board of Education in Richmond, and we go through a series of tests. And they finally say this, and this is for the first time in my entire adult life I've ever stood in front of any group of people. Guys in Midlothian, I've got a couple of you that I've confessed this to in this room. Some of you may know. I was labeled as learning disabled. I took a test. And it was determined that I had a learning disability. The big LD. I can't tell you how much that affected me, but at that moment, I looked back and realized those third grade teachers that were all co- collectively working together to improve me, I'd failed. In fact, I had not lived up to their expectations. So you see, there's, a, there's starting to be this count of things that are in my life that I'm not doing well with. And for me, I'm just checkmarking off all my failures. Listen for it this morning, because the song Redeemed was my choice this morning. Because it really speaks a lot to who and how I became who I am. I was caught in a trap, and I didn't know how to get out. And I think it overwhelmed me. And when I said just now that it's the first time I've ever publicly spoken about this, I have done a good job, I feel. Don't, I don't want to know if you did know, but I felt like I had hit it well. Some of y'all going, no, y'all didn't. <laughs> I knew that a long time ago. <laughs> but the truth be told is I had made a profession out of hiding who I was because I didn't really want anybody to know who I was. To a degree that we get into my high school years and I'm having to go to special needs classes regularly during the year, during school days. I'm going in for this additional help. They had to help me through this class, or I needed more assistance in this class. And that class was not along with the rest of the classes. And thank goodness, God put in my, my line, in my way, people that loved me. Good, really good teachers. In particularly, we had some LD teachers that were actually going to this church. And one in particular learning disabled teacher that I had attends this church now. And I don't know if you're in here now or not, Teresa Murdoch, but you extended grace when I didn't deserve it. And this is how she did it. She would allow me to go hide in the bathroom right before the bell rung at the high school because I didn't want to be seen going to the classroom. I was trying to hide who I was because I was broke and I didn't know how to fix it. She would also allow me to get in that room and not write me up for anything. And I put my backpack on and I get up to the door right before class let out and put my hand on the handle. And the Han boys are sitting right there and at that time I think I could have beat them running anywhere because I was going to get out of the classroom as fast as I could. You know what I mean? I didn't want anybody seeing where I came from. The bell would ring. I'd throw the door open. I'd turn the corner. I can see the blue tile in a, um, just go right by me in the Hulking Heights High School as I turned the high, up the um, steps, and I got out of Dodge. I was convinced that if you didn't see me go in and you didn't see me come out, you wouldn't know what was wrong with me. My next verse. How many of you think we can hide who we are and then get away with it? Interesting question, isn't it? You know, there's a verse that supports that idea, but here's the question for you. Where are you hiding this morning? You came in this room, but did we see where you came from? You know. You know without a doubt what you're trying to hide. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid be bare before the eyes of Him to Him who must give, again, the last word, an account. Account stands out for me. That means that every action that I've ever had, I'm going to be held accountable to. It gets worse, though, guys every thought. And let me tell you something, what I thought of my third grade teachers wasn't nice. And I'm gonna be held accountable for that. But that's where I was. I was trapped. I had been labeled LD. Um, I couldn't get through school. I was hiding so people wouldn't see me. And then it got really confusing. Because at the same time I was learning disabled, I was being classified as gifted in art. Anybody that laughs is a right-hander right now. Um, what I said was, I was gifted at art, and you left-handers, you know what I'm talking about. We use the right side of the brain, everybody else is using the wrong side. But I had, drawn a, I had drawn a tree, and if you ask me, it was the best tree I've ever seen to this day. It was a work of art, let me tell you. This tree had a beautiful trunk to it. It escaped out on the ground with the roots. It went up and had an unbelievable canopy to it. I had colored it with shades of browns in the trunk and shades of green in the top, and it looked gorgeous, and I showed it to people. I was like, look at what I did. And then they stopped and asked, then why did you color the trunk green and the leaves brown? I, what? Did I? I had done it backwards. So guess what? That doesn't go over well when you're labeled LD. And now you can't color the tree right? They're going, what else is wrong with them? How do we fix this? So they sent me again for testing. So I go up to Richmond, and I take this color chart um, chart test. Has anybody ever seen this? Yeah, y'all know? I asked my wife if she knew what was in there. She said, yeah. And I said, don't tell me, because I still don't know what it is. (laughs) I see absolutely nothing but a bunch of colors and the dots. I see nothing. I don't know if it's a butterfly or if if it's a... a bird? I don't even know if it's a number or um, a letter. It's in there somewhere. So they now then classify me on top of all this, they now classify me as color blind. Oh, this is not going well. <laughs> the only reason you're laughing is because you see me up here now. So the, the story ends well, right? But I could see my colors. And now y'all are thinking, that LD just hit again, didn't it? No, I, I could see color. I could see some colors. I could, I could find a lot of things. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I, I, could, I could see color. But here's the problem. I couldn't see them all. A good example of this is the Pocahontas Crestos event we did yesterday. What we did yesterday was we went out and served this at the state level, a clean up and build on a church wide basis. We had hundreds of us there. I see some of the do something shirts out there right now. I had my do something shirt on and I finally, all these people are out there and it seemed like every one of the leaders, the ones that I would have assumed would have had a lot to put into this and would have a lot of answers, didn't wear the do something shirt. Like, um, What's going on? So I finally find Jennifer Harris that's on staff here. And I said, Jennifer, why aren't you wearing the do something shirt? She goes, because we want to stand out. I said, what, well, if you want to stand out, why, why don't you have to do something? Just not having it is right. And she goes, buddy, this is like bright yellow. And the other shirts are, are orange. That's an example of what I can't see. So I can't see oranges and yellows. I really can't even see blues and purples, and if you ask me the difference between brown and green when they're laid up together, why bother? Don't even ask me. It's it's a waste of your time and mine. I'm not going to get it right. So, we're going there, and I can see color. And so this is the this is the classification. I want to take. I would like to take like five seconds of pause for dramatic effect right here. This is what they labeled me. Color, don't. Oh, Lord, help me, help me to understand what's going on. I've, I've disappointed this librarian. I can't keep up in third grade, so they're going to hold me back. And now they've just officially co- um, labeled me color dumb. Today, it would have to be color challenged just to be politically correct, right? But back then it was color dumb and it was like, ow, you serious? Talk about pouring a salt into a wound, just open up and put the whole can in there. It was not helping me at all. But here's the thing I'm getting to this verse. I had my cheerleaders over on my side, my parents, that absolutely loved me and would whisper in my ear. And in some cases, because I was hard headed, they would scream it at me. And my mom's going, Yeah, that's exactly right. Hard headed. But they would scream it at me or whisper it Buddy, you can do anything you put your mind to. Anything, and it would be repetitive over and over and over again. But fortunately for me, it wasn't just them. See, for me, in in my early childhood, I was 14 years old, almost 14 years old, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I came to understanding of who and what Jesus had done for me. Okay, I'm going to share it. It was done for you too. But at that moment... It was a personal relationship I was getting ready to have. And because of that, he was in my corner too. And this is the verse that I would hear in my head all over again. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's not exactly how I heard it, though. This is the beauty of being a follower of Jesus Christ. What I heard was, buddy, you can do anything. I've given you the strength to accomplish everything. Just go do something. what I learned was God had a plan for me, a future. And he wanted the best for me. He just wanted me to ask him for the directions. It, I am, I'm, I'm sure of this this morning. That how many, I, I'm sure of this. How many of you in this room at some point in your life have felt inadequate to accomplish something? I didn't expect hands, but this is awesome. (laughs) Label me as inadequate. That's me. We've all felt that way, and that's why I knew I I could bring something to this message this morning that you would all actually have some root in. God created us in his image. Wonderfully made. He has a purpose for each and every one of us. Take a look at this. You will call to me, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to who? To you. I think I get more in trouble at home, typically, because I don't listen, right? The only thing that my wife wants me to do is just listen for a second to stop doing whatever it is eye contact focus listen if back in those days they could have labeled me with anything else they'd have slapped a whole bunch of labels on me adhd add whatever they had they would have done it and my wife knows that she just wants me to listen to her there's not a soul in this room that doesn't want to be heard right and god says if we pause and call on his name, he will listen to you. Then why don't we? Why does it take so long to try to get a point in our lives that we're willing finally to listen? We struggle. I struggled with disappointment of every person around me and failures stacking up against me and labels being put on me. But God said, but I created you. I made you, and I have a plan for you. Would you just stop and listen? I wish this next conversation that I wanna share with you had taken place 20 years ago, but it didn't. In fact, it probably just took place, oh, I would say in the last couple years. I was to a point in my life, and some of you have heard this testimony of mine, but you didn't know what was causing it. I was on staff here, and we had started talking about this multi-site, and I was so set against it that I went into our pastor's office and told him if we did it, I'd quit. You didn't hear me wrong. I am now the campus pastor, so go figure how God works. What I learned was don't ever tell God you're not gonna do something. Don't challenge him, because he's got a plan for you and a future. And what I realized through that process of learning what it was that I was fearing, it wasn't the fear of doing a multi-site. I had convinced myself that I didn't want to do that and I didn't think we should do that because our church wasn't good enough here, getting everything right here. Why would we try to mimic what we were doing somewhere else? But what I was truly in fear of was what he was going to do with me. That has been who I am for over 20 years. I've been walking in fear of what God had in store for me. And I was so fearful of it, I wouldn't ask. So this conversation I'm about to tell you should have taken place a long time ago. But I got to that point in my life that I was struggling. I just finally did what everybody else would do if they were struggling, needed to hear from somebody. I called my mama. I said, Mom, I, I don't understand why I, I feel this way. I'm struggling. I, I, I just don't feel like I fit in. Um, I'm not good enough. I, I Look at all the things that I failed at. Why, why would God want to even use me anymore? D- Mom, it started with that librarian. It really did. Don't you remember? You know what Milan said? Honey, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. That's a joke to y'all, but I want to pull my hair out. I just grabbed my head and went, are you serious? The most defining moment in my life, the thing that caused me to start thinking worse about myself and thinking I'm a failure everywhere I go, you don't remember and you're my mom. So I started explaining to her, let me refresh your memory, please. This librarian is the one that laughed at me because I didn't know how to spell my name or, 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 or sign my name. Don't you remember that? The absolute longest pause on the phone ever that lasted three or four seconds, but to me it was an eternity. And my mom reformats her voice like all moms do, stern, buddy. You were three years old. You were tall for your age. And we looked and see how tall you were, and we laughed. She even said, I guess I was expecting too much from him. And my mom said, he's not even gone to preschool yet. This moment of putting that book on the um, library table was a defining moment of mine that wasn't even true. And I've allowed that to define who I was for way too long. Was I a learning disabled? Absolutely. Was I called color dumb? Unfortunately. But God can overcome that if you're asking him to. He knew it was coming. It didn't surprise him. What surprises him is how we deal with the information we have when we don't seek to know the truth. How many of us have come in this morning thinking we know where we're going and we can't even tell you where we've been? How many of us feel like we get up in the morning and we've wasted our day because by the time we go to bed, we don't even feel like we have accomplished anything. Well, was it what God wanted you to accomplish? What did he say that morning to you when you got up and you asked him, what would you like me to do today? For most of us, we're going to say, I, I I'm embarrassingly say, I didn't ask. Then how do you expect to get where you're going if you don't ask for direction? For us, I think all of us are stuck and are struggling And we can't find that happy face we're supposed to have because we're not asking for the direction that's already there. When he made us, he had already designed us and had a plan for us. Look at this verse in Psalms. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lord, just get me there. I don't know where I'm going, and I need your help. It is that simple. He just wants to hear your voice. When I had the phone call to my mom, and she picked up, and I said, hello, why does she know who it was? Because she knew my voice. Does God know your voice? Have you talked to him? Would he recognize it? my life verse is philippians three ten, and in part it says my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection the reason i pointed that out and picked that out guys in the theater listen to this very carefully it's the word goal that stuck out in my mind for me having had a learning disability being colorblind having adhd and add and all this i need to be focused i needed those horse blinders on and I need to look at something. And for me, a goal is something that you put outside of your reach. Are you with me? You don't want to be able to just obtain it with no effort, right? You need to work for it. If you you want to do something, you got to train to do it. If that's your goal, you're just going to be able to grab onto it. It wouldn't be a goal. But if you have to really focus in on it, that's the goal. So here it is. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection. And every single day I wake up here on this earth, I'm going to try to have my goal to know him a little bit more. But let me rest you assured here. I'm going to die. And this is my favorite part. This is why I like the verse. I'm going to die one day. And I'm going to do something that I've had a goal of doing all my life. And the day that I die, I will be standing at the feet of Jesus. And I will have reached my goal. I will for the first time experience the power of the resurrection. Are you going to be able to say the same thing? Are you confident in where you're going that you know that one day you're going to get to experience the power of the resurrection? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray this morning that you, you came into this place, that you used me to say something You know that I've struggled all my life in hiding something that I just revealed to the hundreds. And Lord, I know that you put me to do that today because someone in these seats in front of me needed to hear that. They needed to hear that you don't ever give up on them. That you have a plan for them. There's a future for them. And that you'll listen to them. Lord, I just pray now that those guys in the theater, the guys here on the Columbia Heights campus will allow this well, allow God, God. I just uh, I want them to allow you to come into their hearts and discover what direction you want them to go. Lord, I just give it all up to you now. I thank you, Jesus, for what you do in each one of our lives. Amen.